Did you enjoy the sunshine yesterday? That was your summer, by the way. It's, <laughs> it's finished now. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you. If I haven't met you before, my name's Richard. Um, and uh, I've built up a bit of a reputation, I think, unfairly, of, of when I preach, I can't help myself but bring in gardening and allotment analogies. There is more about me than just planting vegetables. So, John 15 this morning, Jesus the true vine. Hmm. <laughs> I do have a story, actually. A couple of years ago, I went to Aldi. Other supermarkets are available. I went to Aldi. I love Aldi, though. Um, it's like a jumble sale in the middle. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I went to Aldi, and um, I was just walking into Aldi, and I saw some trees for sale. Some trees for sale. You don't usually go to a supermarket and see trees for sale. So I thought, oh, I'm going to buy a couple of trees. So I bought an apple tree and a pear tree. Um, because they were outside, I then had to do the weird thing of buy a couple of trees, we've all been there, I'm sure, buy a couple of trees, then walk into the supermarket, up and down the aisles, queue at the checkout with a couple of big trees sticking out of my trolley. It felt a bit strange. And then I took them round to my allotment, um, and uh, thankfully they came with instructions. You know, trees come with instructions these days as if we don't know how to stick them in the ground. But it's more complicated than you might imagine. So I followed the instructions as best I could. And when I was planting these two trees, an apple tree and a pear tree, I noticed something strange near the bottom of each tree. I noticed that um, there, was a, there was a root, which is good. And, and then when the root uh, became the, the tree trunk, there was kind of like a, a ridge near the, the, the base of the tree trunk. Um, and I brought this in. I didn't chop down my tree to show you this morning. This is, this is just a branch. But um, I noticed around about here that there was kind of like a, a, a scar running around the base of the tree trunk. And actually, it's where um, a different tree had been grafted in to the tree trunk. So it was two different trees grafted together. Um, so I took them back to the shop. You know, I, I want to... <laughs> if I'm buying a tree, I want a whole tree. It's like that time I bought a second-hand car and it was two cars welded together. You don't, you don't... I didn't really. I didn't really. In the instructions, it said that it was the, where, where it had been grafted. Grafted. You know that word, grafted? So it was kind of like the, the scar of where one tree had been grafted into another tree. Uh, and... And there are lots of reasons why horticulturists, horti gardeners do that. Um, usually you've got, you've got an older rootstock with a younger uh, tree coming from it. Because the older rootstock is telling the younger tree that it's time to, to grow fruit. Okay? Uh, if you planted a young tree, you'd wait a few years before it grew fruit. So it's a clever way of doing it. You graft it into the older rootstock, and it's ready quicker to bear fruit. So I planted these two trees. 
one of the instructions said um, not to plant it too deep in the ground so that the soil went above the, the grafting scar, okay? Um, but that made it very difficult to plant with the apple tree in particular because the, the scar, the grafting scar, was quite close to the roots. So it meant that it was very shallow in, in terms of how it was rooted. And I, I thought it would probably get blown over, so I planted it a, a bit deeper. Uh, famous last words. That was about three years ago. And a year and a half later, I got a lovely crop of pears. Beautiful pears, only a year and a half later. Um, the apple tree, not so good. I had two apples, about that big. And they fell off the tree before they had chance to, to grow. I still haven't seen any apples on that tree. Um, yeah. I'll come back to that. I'm going to read John 15 now. Jesus says in his teaching, in a, in a sense, Jesus is, this is one of the teachings where Jesus is preparing us, preparing his disciples, preparing uh, his students, people who are listening, preparing us for when he is crucified, resurrected, taken up through the clouds, out of sight. He's preparing us for that. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Another interpretation of that is I am the rootstock, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends 
if you do what I command. I, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. I think this is one of those occasions in the Gospels where the disciples, these young teenage lads, rough and ready, were not yet able to fully understand what Jesus was saying. I don't think they would have felt like they had produced lasting fruit. I don't think so. How many times do you feel that you have produced lasting fruit? And we've got 2,000 years of experience on the disciples, over the disciples. Hmm. I want to look today at, at this thing of producing fruit. I also want to look at how that links to the rootstock that we are grafted into. You see, we are grafted into the rootstock of, of the king. We are grafted into the ancient rootstock of the king. So if anything's going to produce and bear fruit, good fruit, it, it's that. And yet sometimes we feel, either when we look at ourselves, that we're not producing the fruit that we should, certainly the fruit that is spoken of in the Bible, that we're not developing our character as much as we should or as much as the next person. And that's a real killer in church, I think, comparing yourself to the next person. Think about the times that we've felt as a church, as Christians, as, as a loving community of people, how unfair it is that somebody else seems to be getting recognition for something that you have grafted at, and I mean grafted in the sort of toil and work sense, or the, the times where somebody is manifesting a lot and showing a lot of kind of joy and, and they're at the front and they're, they're playing an instrument really beautifully and they're dancing and they're waving flags and then they're doing artwork and then, you know, then they're evangelizing and you, you may look at them because you know them really well and question how much fruit they're actually showing. All of these things, all of these gifts are different to fruit, aren't they? I remember Peter describing gifts as kind of like the decorations on a Christmas tree. And that's not fruit. They're lovely, they're fantastic, but the, fruit, the, the tree hasn't borne them. They've been put on the tree. So sometimes we can get resentful when we see a lot of baubles on a tree, but not many apples. But we don't get, actually, we don't get to make those judgments of each other, and yet we do. And who's, who, who is the person that, that, that suffers when those judgments are made? It's the person making the judgments, actually. A few days ago, I overheard Beth, my lovely wife, mother of my three fine children, 
I overheard Beth on the phone to a family member, and they were discussing um, a recent, um, a recent uh, new person in the, in the kingdom, so to speak. Somebody in Beth's family, Beth's nana actually, who's in her, her 90s, became a Christian recently. I know, fantastic. About time too. <laughs> See, there's that judgment again. But Beth was discussing with a family member, um, the, the family member, I, w- I won't go into too many details, but the family member was expressing some doubts as to whether Beth's nana had really been saved because she wasn't showing much fruit. She's in her 90s. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's a genuine heart conversation, isn't it? It's, it's a genuine feeling, where, particularly when we know somebody really well, to say, where's the fruit? I can't see any fruit of this. Beth's wisdom in that moment stayed with me. Beth said to the family member, we don't get to decide how long it takes for somebody to grow fruit. We don't get to decide how long it takes for somebody to grow fruit. That's not our job, nor is it our area of expertise, actually. Yeah? I see myself as a slow learner. Um, And it takes me years and years to grow tiny apples, actually, in in terms of spiritual fruit. I know that about myself, you know? (laughs) Life, my friends, is not a fruit-growing competition. (laughs) Kingdom life, my friends, is not a fruit-growing competition. We say sometimes that life is a competition. That's not kingdom life. I remember Alan asking about kids getting medals at, at a school sports day and asking how valid it was that all children get medals at primary school sports day. You know what? Maybe that's not preparing them for real life. I would argue that it's preparing them for kingdom life. In the kingdom, everybody gets a medal. True? Let's not treat kingdom life like a competition. There's too much of that out there already, isn't there? I'd even go as far as to say that most competitive activities don't have don't have love at their heart they're not rooted I'll go as far as to say they're not rooted in the rootstock of the king I think they're rooted in things like fear I'm speaking generally but think about this most competitive activities are rooted in fear violence war love of money, etc., etc. Just think about all of the competitive things in our, in our society. When I did, I saw that at their root were things like fear, violence, love of money. And last time I checked, the Bible has something to say about those things. <laughs> it even mentions the word root with love of money, doesn't it? Hmm. Think about how empires are built. Think about how uh, a lot of huge business corporations are built. They're not built on the rootstock or from the rootstock of the king of kings. They're not. 
Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that the business world is not of God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that we have to influence that. The kingdom has to influence that, not the other way around. And I think competitiveness is one of those things. So if I see seven-year-olds getting a medal in sports day when they haven't won the race, I celebrate that because they are learning to be world changers. <laughs> Many things affect the fruit. Think about uh, my apple tree, my pear tree. Many things affect the fruit. Whether or not the fruit will be healthy, ripe, big, juicy, numerous, quality, quantity, many things affect that. The climate, the sunshine, the wind, the birds, pests, insects, disease, many things affect the fruit, but only one thing, only one thing determines the fruit, and there's a difference between effect and de determination. The only thing that determines the fruit is where it comes from through the rootstock. The root determines the fruit. It even rhymes. <laughs> the root determines the fruit. Say it. The root determines the fruit. Many things affect the fruit, but the root determines the fruit. What I mean is, when you determine something, you put something in place, don't you? You control something, you, you, you set something in place. And that's what the root does. That's the root's job, isn't it? It transports, it carries, it gathers all of the nutrients, all of the water that the plant needs. And whatever the root does determines what happens up here. Yes, I know about photosynthesis and stuff like that. Fiona was here last night. She told me all about it. But the root determines the fruit. When I examined my apple tree to find out why it hadn't grown fruit, I saw that, I'll pick this up again, I saw that because I'd buried it too deep and the soil was above the grafting scar, that it, is, it had set some secondary roots. It had set some roots down from the from the young half of the, the tree, if you know what I mean, down into the ground. So there was more than one thing determining the fruit of that plant. Um, it was kind of getting mix, mixed messages, I think, at the top. That's the way I understood it anyway. Essentially, what I'd done was um, planted it too deep so that it set its own roots down. It tried to take back control. Hmm, I wonder where he's going with this. This really made me think about how I am grafted, how I am rooted, and whether or not, like the apple tree, I have set some of my own roots into the ground, maybe because of instability, maybe because of fear, maybe because of just wanting to be in control of some aspects of my life. I think that's fair enough. I'm 46 years old. I, it made me reflect on my own life uh, and, and ask myself and ultimately ask God, are there any roots that I have set myself in the ground that kind of bypass or even supplement the rootstock that I've been grafted into? And it, it was clear with my apple tree. And you know what? It became clear with me. 
that yes, that's what I do because I'm a person. The root determines the fruit. If I get frustrated that I'm not um, where I feel I should be in the kingdom or I'm not um, the, the, the man of God that I expect myself to be or others expect me to be, maybe I need to examine what is determining that. Maybe I need to look down rather than looking up for the answer. Now that's a new one. Hmm. You see, until I looked down at my apple tree, I didn't work out what was going wrong. If I looked up, it had lovely leaves and branches, still does. It's got some nice buds now. I may not get some fruit this year, because actually, although I learned a lot, I still haven't sorted the problem out with my apple tree. The root determines the fruit. So you can have the loveliest branches waving in the breeze, a bit like our worship. I'm not saying anything negative about our worship. However, if our worship is all about worshiping some distant God, and we're not really prepared to examine our own rootstock and see that we've been grafted in, grafted in, maybe there's a bit of distance there that we've set already. And when there's distance or perceived distance between us and God, maybe that's when we start setting our own roots down. Every time you feel upset, frustrated, disgruntled, lonely, let down, jealous, envious, look down, check your roots. Check your roots. The, the don't look up, look down advice is reflected, I think, in, in Acts. You know, Jesus um, reappeared to his disciples, didn't he? Many times, actually, more times than are recorded in, in, in the scriptures. And he spent 40 days with his friends, the people he called friends, continuing to teach them, continuing to prepare them for, for the time that was to come. And I think at times they may have caught on to what Jesus was saying, but I think definitely at times they didn't really know what he meant and they didn't really know the depth of what was about to happen and they didn't really know yet what it was to be grafted in. Let me read from Acts. First chapter of Acts, listen to this, um, verse 7. He told them, this is, this is the last thing he says to them before he goes. He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses. They didn't know about that yet. We read that and we think, oh yeah, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. They didn't have a clue what he was on about. All over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Thankfully, that came to pass because we are standing here today because of that, aren't we? 
These were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring at the empty sky. Pauses for effect. <laughs> I wonder how long they were stood there. It reminds me of when, um, don't do this, by the way, because it kills turtles, but when you release balloons um, into the atmosphere and you stand there for as long as you can, don't you? Even when they've disappeared and you kind of imagine that it's still there and you see it again and I don't know why, it's just a balloon, but we stand there for ages oh, oh, with wonder. Um, <laughs> a couple of times when I was younger and, and a bit more cheeky, I, I tried this as a social experiment. Once I did it on Northumberland Street where I just stopped <laughs> and looked up and just stood there, just kind of, and a couple of people would join me. And before long, quite a few people were looking up, and then I just walked off. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Try it sometime. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. They stood there staring into the empty sky. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. That didn't happen to me on Northumberland Street. They said, you Galileans. Why do you just stand there looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come to us certainly and, as, and mysteriously as he left. <laughs> there was a sense there that they didn't really know what was going on. I think if we continue to stare at the clouds, wondering where Jesus is, you know, worshipping even, a God who is up there somewhere. Maybe he's so big we can't really fathom, so we feel that he's up there somewhere and we're reaching out in our worship. If that's our entire worship experience, maybe there's a bit of kind of distance that we've put between us and God. Maybe we're not recognizing that actually the most wonderful, biggest miracle of all about who God is, is actually what we're rooted in, not what we're trying to see in the clouds. Do you see what I mean? I'm not saying don't lift your hands in worship anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying, just within yourself, look down and see what you're grafted into and then worship. Look down, see what you're grafted into and then worship. Hmm. I want to share um, a vision I got a few, a few days ago where I saw, I saw um, a king, very definitely a king with a crown on his head, but he was like king of the land, king of the, the, the garden, king of the, 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 the orchard. It felt like that because he was surveying the land and all around him were trees, small trees, young trees planted in rows. And as he looked at them, he took his crown from his head, cast it down to the ground. And the, the crown became the rootstock. He cast his crown to the ground and the crown became the rootstock. And from that rootstock grew all of the young trees. 
Okay? From that rootstock grew all of the young trees because they severed themselves from their old roots and they grafted themselves into the royal rootstock that was the crown. That's what I saw. And then, in this vision, I saw that the, the trees grew, really healthy branches and leaves, and they were all worshipping the, the king, the, the king gardener. They were all worshipping. Um, and then over time, some of them grew fruit and some of them didn't. And when the gardener examined the trees, it was exactly the same as my apple tree. That's the, the trees that weren't bearing fruit or weren't bearing healthy fruit had set down their own roots around the rootstock. So they were getting both. It showed me that if you, if you do seek fruit, healthy fruit, don't try and do both. Don't try and do both. Don't try and be determined by your grafted royal root, rootstock and your own roots, even small roots mean that your fruit won't be as healthy or as numerous or as quickly, um, quickly growing as it should be or could be. That's what that vision showed me. The root determines the fruit. What did Jesus say we would get when we're wholly rooted in him? Wholly rooted in him. What did he say we would get in John, love and joy. Maybe if you're not feeling much joy or love in your life, maybe the challenge is to look down and just expose yourself to God and just say, this is me at the moment. Show me if I've set down any of my own roots. Is this resonating with anybody? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Is this making anybody feel like they want to do something about it? Hmm. Let's just, uh, let's just look down, kind of internally, look down. Stand, sit, it's up to you. Let's just put ourselves before. We know we are grafted in to Father God. We know we are grafted. There's the truth on which we stand. But maybe we've set down some roots of our own as coping mechanisms or just to get by. Just examine yourself and put yourself before him. Hmm. And if you want to, repeat this, this question. Father God, are there any roots that I have set down around your rootstock? Hmm. Yeah. You know, we have such a loving Father that if that is the case, I can guarantee He will show you with 
love and grace rather than condemnation or judgment. Because that's the God I know and that's been my experience. So let him show you. Hmm. And if you let him, he he can sever those things right now. He can cut those roots that you've set down right now. He can cut patterns of behavior. He can cut habits. He can cut... Uh, self-reliance right now I know because he's done it with me and then it no longer becomes a habit it becomes something you have to work harder to regain just like a root hmm so just reach out your hands if if you're you're prepared to do that today just reach out your hands and I'll pray with authority that that Father God, that you see these roots that we've put down, and in, in the name of Jesus, I sever, I cut, I bind those roots in Jesus' name, that those habits, those repeating patterns are broken. Hmm. Hmm. And I want to declare you wholly grafted into the royal rootstock. Wholly grafted in. Hmm. And let that determine your fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm.